Welcome back, everybody, to the Luke Beasley Show. It is so great to be with you on this Friday. I hope you're doing absolutely spectacular. We have made it through another week of American politics. Quite the week it has been and quite the show I have for you today. Starting off with this. Well, you may have heard that Donald Trump was for the fourth time arrested yesterday and formally booked at the Fulton County Jail. This one was a little bit different, though because he was mugshotted. Very interesting. Take a look at this, and we will be getting to, in this segment, Trump's raging outside of his plane before he left after this happened. Now, apparently, according to reporting, this was a well-thought-out pose. He had planned and discussed with his aides exactly what he wanted to do so that he could have the best look on his face, and that's what they settled on. For our podcast listeners, uh, hmm, how do I describe? Picture, ugh, <laughs> I'm kidding, uh, I'm not kidding. So there's that, and then hopefully my my sound effect painted a, a mental picture. I'm sure podcast listeners have seen the picture already, though. Then here's this from media. Foreign President Donald Trump was arrested on Thursday evening and booked at Georgia's Fulton County Jail, where his mugshot was taken. Trump was quickly processed and released on bond. According to reports, Trump used a bonding agent to pay just 10% of his $200,000 bond. Trump was indicted on 13 counts, of course, in Georgia this month, including violation of the Georgia RICO Act over his attempts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. And with that being said, here was Trump responding to the day before he left. Before we get to you, we see the former President Donald Trump leaving the SUV, approaching reporters. Let's listen. It's a very sad day for America. This should never happen. If you challenge an election, you should be able to challenge an election. I thought the election was a rigged election, a stolen election. And I should have every right to do that. As you know, you have many people that you've been watching over the years do the same thing, whether it's Hillary Clinton or Stacey Abrams or many others. When you uh, have that great freedom to challenge, you have to be able to, otherwise you can have very dishonest elections. What has taken place here is a travesty of justice. We did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And everybody knows it. I've never had such support. And that goes with the other ones, too. What they're doing is election interference. They're trying to interfere with an election. There's never been anything like it in our country before. This is their way of campaigning. And this is one instance, but you have three other instances. It's election interference. So I want to thank you for being here. We did nothing wrong at all. And we have every right, every single right, to challenge an election that we think is dishonest, that we think it's very dishonest. So thank you all very much, and I'll see you. All right, and so we have to continue to address, as I've said before, I am eternally grateful for how fast the show is growing, but that means new people are watching me every day, so I have to repeat things that my my longtime viewers have heard too many times. But no, Donald Trump is not being indicted for his freedom of speech or lying about the election or questioning the results of the election or legally challenging the election. He is being indicted for allegedly unlawfully attempting to overturn the results outside of the legal process that we have in place already. As Fonnie Willis noted, Jack Smith in the indictment, early in the indictment, explicitly put again in writing that Trump was allowed and within his right to even lie, of course, about the results of the 2020 election. It is the actions and the coordinated plot working outside of our lawful process that is at issue here. And yes, words are cited in these indictments that were spoken because they're a part of this broader effort that is alleged to have been working outside the law, including, for example, the fake elector scheme 
trying to concoct and put forward fraudulent electors, asserting those to be the lawful ones, and then using that to justify Trump just staying president. If that was allowed, we would have mayhem in this country when it comes to our democracy and all these other steps we've walked through in the past. As you may be uh, able to predict already, um, you can see on screen merch is being sold from the Trump campaign with his mugshot on it. I guess he's proud of it and really nailed that pose. Um, as I said, I don't know if I agree, but <laughs> what's he going to do? Historic moment, as I said, when covering Rudy Giuliani's arrest, sometimes accountability doesn't feel so good, but it's necessary. And for the sake of the rule of law and our democracy, this is exactly what should be happening. And then we'll let the process play out. Maybe it goes better for Trump than we're expecting. And that is the process playing out. And maybe it's not going to go so well. We'll just have to see. But today, in later segments for our YouTube segment viewers and full show viewers, get ready. We've got lots of responding to these dishonest talking points in response to Trump's most recent arrest in store today. Continuing our discussion about the fourth Trump arrest, the mugshot, the Fulton County Jail visit. I want to look at some of the responses we've seen, starting off with Laura Ingram on Fox News. And instead of a big introduction, just take a look at the dishonesty being uh, spewed here, and then we will respond. Uh, and he'll take this short drive to the Fulton County Courthouse. I should say, Charlie, the left is ramping up their fear-mongering uh as as this is all going on because they're again this is their moment of great celebration they claim to to think that this is this is a serious moment for democracy but but you see it around the edges they are gleeful that this man is going to get his mugshot taken tonight fingerprinted like you know like he summoned jack and cars in san francisco those people actually go free so they're completely bankrupt of ideas on the left they have nothing uh. left and so their only option now is to do this. And it's really... Uh, and he'll take this short... Okay, so starting with the point about being gleeful, it is perfectly acceptable to get excited whenever you see accountability. It is not a celebrating that Trump did the things he did or that a former president is experiencing these legal troubles because that does reflect a dark moment based on the things that Trump did. But seeing accountability for the things that Trump did is very good. It is exciting. And uh, so pointing to the fact that people are celebrating the accountability taking place is not much of a point. Then she says something about carjackers, he's being treated like them, your common criminal. Yeah. That's how the law should work. You shouldn't get special treatment because your name is Donald Trump. That seems very reasonable. Uh, and then the individual, whoever else is on, it may be uh, who we're about to look at, Charlie Hurt, who was on with her that night, uh, said something about the left not having any ideas, really. Because when Democrats had a majority in the House of Representatives, as well as the Senate and Biden was in the White House, the first two years of his presidency, we saw the American Rescue Plan, the first major gun safety bill in decades, pulling out of America's longest war, that was Biden individually, large investment in green energy in history, lowering prescription drug costs, raising the minimum wage for federal government workers, Katanji Brown-Jackson got put on the court, the PACT Act, the Chips and Science Act, and the once-in-a-generation infrastructure law. The Republicans now have the House majority. And what have we gotten? 
some bill about parental rights where they force the outing of LGBTQ kids in school or something. Yeah, not much. A bunch of investigations. So not super strong. Plus, back to the point about the left being gleeful about the mugshot. Take a look at this from Sean Hannity's show. With the Fox News alert, uh, you are looking at Joe Biden. Oh, I'm sorry. Donald Trump's official mugshot. Joe Biden will be soon enough. Anyway, moments ago, the 45th president of the United States walked into the notorious. It seems he's gleeful about the potential of a mugshot of the sitting president of the United States that doesn't have evidence of crimes against him. So we're excited because there's a mugshot he's being treated equally and is being held accountable for actions he took that there is evidence for them violating the law. When it comes to Biden, you don't have that. But he's already preemptively glee, uh, gleeful about that. Then you have this on Fox News as well. That's why, you know, I think all of the other issues that we talk about in, in this primary, in the Republican primary, it's important and interesting and fun. And yes, the, the, you know, the, the America first Trump wing has taken over the Republican Party. But to me, the most important thing we can do is stop this, is to stop this. Because if, if this is not stopped, they will do this forever. Republicans should grind everything on Capitol Hill to a halt. Yeah. I mean, everything. If this is allowed on the federal level, on the state level, gr I'd grind it all to a halt. And there's so much that they can do on the Hill and that they have begun to do, including investigating Fannie Willis, who's clearly coordinating with other Democrats. Right, Kamala people. Harris supporter. And, we're gonna get and, that. And, and by the way, I think prosecutors around the country should begin preparing uh, indictments of, uh, of Joe Biden for every person in their district who dies of fentanyl poison. Every person that is murdered by an illegal alien that Joe Biden intentionally allowed in the country so that they could go and murder somebody, there should be indictments for the president. And, 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 and let's start there. And then. We so deranged, truly. As we've discussed in the past, they're using a false story about Trump being persecuted. They're the ones pushing the idea that Trump's being unfairly politically persecuted not based on the evidence but based on their own motivations and then using that to justify actually calling for what would be an unfair political persecution of their political opponents very dangerous very contradictory to the principles they put forward to defend donald trump and scary that that's being said and very common on the largest most watched cable news network speaking of that network one more moment this is trump's lawyer treated like this before you look at the the case let's analyze it from a legal standpoint sure um it's garbage how about a, a very plain simple english standpoint when you have the president whose sole responsibility is to take care of america the constitution election interference and make sure that we are the america that i used to know not the america you and i know now um and he is then prosecuted because he is leading so significantly, frankly, in the polls that he doesn't even need to go on a debate. This is the, the crisis that we're in as American people. It sounds like her main mic is out, so they have some boom that's kind of loosely picking up her voice. So I apologize for that. There is no case. Unfortunately, we have library books, Sean. We have uh, bookkeeping because they didn't like the category on the QuickBooks tab that he put on, on a legal expense. And then we have this, which is him doing his job as the president of the United States. Frankly, something we haven't seen for several years since Biden's been in the administration. Yeah. And they're going to try and put him in prison because they can't beat him. Let's if by they you mean Joe Biden can't beat him, he did already. 
So it's plausible that he could beat him a second time, especially considering everything that's happened since that last uh, defeat of Donald Trump. So there, by the way, she was referring to library books, library, sorry, I almost said library, uh, library books. That was her calling the classified documents case, just not turning back in library books. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely the same thing. And uh, gosh, what other talking point did she put forward there? Okay. So the central point she was trying to make is this was Trump doing what he should do as president. He was doing his job. And now Joe Biden, we don't have a president who's going to do the job like Trump did in all these actions he's now being prosecuted for. If by doing the job of president, you mean when you lose an election, trying to prevent the next president from getting into power, then you have a very whacked out understanding of the job of a president. And I'm glad that Biden is not doing the job, according to you, of a good president. And again, I say, play it out. And then we'll move away from Fox News to Newsmax. Play that out in your head. If this conduct was allowed, we would have a situation where pre uh, presidents, it would be normalized for them if they really wanted to stay president, even if they lost, they could engage in these, these efforts to just stay president. Then what's the point of elections if you could just use all your authority to prevent the next person from getting into power? That would be a disaster for democracy and rule of law, obviously, but just because it's Trump and it didn't work, they're okay saying that. But if it had worked, if Trump was president right now, despite him losing, well, Alina Abba would be happy, but that would be horrible for the United States. So it's actually, as I will continue to say, incredible for the presidency as an institution and rule of law that indeed Trump's being prosecuted here. Then we move away from Fox News to Newsmax, and this is James Comer also responding. I guess uh, the House Oversight Committee is partly to blame for what's going on with Trump, because every time we bring out more damning evidence on Joe Biden, they indict Trump within the next 48 hours. Yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, we've got a president that's compromised. We've got a president who has violated laws, who should be treated as a criminal. He's the one that's a criminal. I guess uh, the House... So... Uh, point one, he's saying that because the House Oversight Committee is exposing the crimes of the Biden crime family, that's why Trump's being prosecuted, to distract from that. And so he apologizes, I guess, for being the reason for that. Now, that makes a whole lot of sense, especially considering the fact that the investigations into Trump started long before his investigation into Joe Biden. Hmm. Um, so if, if one's distracting from the other... I think it may be you doing the distracting, uh, James Comer. And then number two, there's actually evidence for the crimes being alleged against Trump, whereas James Comer time and time again comes up short and is becoming a national humiliation. There's a little part of the Republican Party that I'm sure thinks, or a little part of the country, a big part of the Republican Party that thinks, wow, Biden has been exposed. And so James Comer's a hero for that. But a lot of the country is starting to realize they've been up to this for a while and we're getting nothing of substance. As we have talked about a gazillion times now, their most recent round of the big charade calling in the former business associate of Hunter Biden, who was supposed to be a bombshell witness, and then he assisted in debunking a lot of the core parts of the claims they were making about Joe Biden. And when they would ask him, for example, any involvement of Biden and Burisma, any involvement to your knowledge? 
The answer was no. Or did you ever hear Joe Biden talking about business dealings with Hunter Biden? No. On and on and on. They have nothing. And it's humiliating for them. But he still has the gall to say the Trump indictments are distracting from what I'm uncovering about President Biden. And then you have Marjorie Greene. Uh, this looks like outside of the the Fulton County Jail saying this. Horrible day in America and to stand in solidarity, solidarity with President Trump. I made my own mugshot with the Fulton County Jail here <laughs> logo and I changed it to my official photo on Twitter. So I encourage everyone to make your own MAGA mugshot. Stand Yikes. with President Trump. We always stand with our president because he's the one that's going to save this country and, and we thank God for him. So that's what I did to stand in solidarity. I'm standing right here at the jail with all of y'all. Um, I think right side, I think everybody the guy that she's standing next to is that MAGA rapper that I interviewed or debated with or talked to outside of the second arrest of Trump. Very cuckoo. Uh, so there it is. Pretty stunning. We'll talk more about this later in today's show, but that's it for now on Trump's fourth arrest. Well, you just won't even believe this rather embarrassing and aggravating but also sort of silly fox news is still still pushing the lie that schools because of the woke mob are putting out litter boxes for their students or faculty i don't know no students is, is the story that's told uh who identify as cats and so then they go in the litter box and that's not true it's not happening there's not evidence of it happening anywhere and it's been debunked about 335 billion times but it is a fun way to go the woke mobs making america weird so that's why you should vote for the people who don't respect democracy and don't actually improve our lives from the standpoint of policy but here is shannon bream doing the whole i have a friend who told me shannon this seems i mean ridiculous is an understatement She's a professor, she's an author, and it seems that she's influential in that community. How can that be happening? This shows such a disconnect with everyday Americans. I think you can have conversations and debates over LGBTQ plus issues, and people want to have respectful conversations about that. But when you tell a kid they can be a Tootsie Pop, where I live um, in the Washington area, I have a lot of Northern Virginia moms who have kids in school who have told me that there are schools who are now having to put litter boxes in for kids who identify as cats. And I think most parents at home are like, what? Well, we've lost the storyline here. Um, some legitimate conversations to have, but when you spin off this far, you're going to lose most Americans, and there will be backlash for people who think you've completely lost it. I think you've completely lost it, Shannon. She's supposed to be a straight news person, but not so much. Just a few bits of reporting on this, and it has shifted from there is an article about this happening, was the original claim, and then that was retracted. Oh, gosh, never mind. We don't actually have evidence of this. And then it became individuals would say, I have a friend who told me that this is happening. And uh, as Politico or PolitiFact, I should say, note, schools are not putting litter boxes in bathrooms to accommodate children. The Guardian debunked this. USA Today, Reuters, New York Times, NBC News. I'm not just going to read the articles. You get the point. It's the same message. It's not actually happening, but it's blown up as a talking point. I thought it had gone away, but now it's back. This was 2022 all these articles came from and now it's back and shannon bream saying my friend told me this is happening really because every time someone says that and then actually we can get them to say a specific location it's not actually happening there it's just a rumor which that brings us to the next part of this conversation because they were talking about something else identifying as a tootsie roll or something 
there are people and there are real stories you can find of some funky stuff being talked about. 100%. Don't deny it. And most of the time in certain areas, in certain conversational spaces, okay, topical spaces, I maybe would be more accurate. Uh, it is existing within, if you want to put a political label on it, the left. Totally. I get it. I'm on the left. Some funky stuff going on. <laughs> Tootsie Roll identification, a little strange, but that is so irrelevant. It really is. And that's what Fox News is doing on purpose. Because if they focused on what matters when it comes to enough people for it to really be discussed on a Fox News panel, then it would be really hard to say the Republican Party should be in power because the record of the two parties is so, so worlds apart. And one of them is way closer to good. One of them is all the way in the deep end of bad. And so to distract from that fact, you have to tell stories about either fake ones, the litter box story, or real ones, as they'll sometimes find, that are a little, little funky. But guess what? The world's funky. And uh, as I will continue to say, social media, the way the algorithms work is if you're provocative, if you're engaging, you get more engagement. That makes sense. And engagement drives views, drives uh, uh, the the algorithm, and it makes you more noticed. And so if you're an individual who puts something out that's a little different, you're more likely to get a lot of traction, especially if it's provocative. So then it seems like people are more relevant to our conversations than they really are, especially if they're provocative and funky. That'll be the word I keep using. Um, strange. But there's always been funky ideas in the world. Now they're just getting platform to this, ma this massive degree. Okay, so then how do we know if that's representative of a larger political movement, a larger issue that should be discussed? Does it manifest itself into public arenas of policy, for example, political elected positions of power? And if someone can make it to a position of power and hold views that are concerning, then whew, now it needs to be talked about, which is why we should spend a lot of time talking about all these elected Republicans who are dangerous with their ideology and their rhetoric and are in power or adjacent to it or super prominent about to could get to power, such as Donald Trump uh, or massive media figures, etc., who impact people who are in power and our political conversation at large. But if you only focused on the big players who are representative of, okay, clearly this is a larger portion of our country that matters in our political conversation and isn't just a one-off or a two-off or a 10-off, then it would be so hard to advocate for the Republican Party, for the right wing, because it's policyless. It has policies uh, that either benefit those who are already wealthy, well-connected, powerful, or often demonize those who are already so uh, targeted and dehumanized. Is that really a platform you can sell to the majority of uh, America? No. So instead it has to be your kid's gonna go to the restroom in a litter box again which isn't even happening or woke this woke that and then the last thing i'll say on this is i think it's important too to look at the underlying uh pulse of a movement so is it true that for example if i said i want to identify as a tootsie pop or roll or whatever it's called would I be more likely to be accepted in that identification, supported in that identification on the left or right? Probably left, yeah. Because why? The underlying pulse is that the left makes an effort to accept, to 
be compassionate where they don't understand, to uh, reach out to people and try to help people who are looked down upon by the rest of society or pushed down by the rest of society. And so even when that acceptance then makes it to where you're like, oh, okay, the Tootsie Roll is a little, hmm, like, do you really think you're a Tootsie Roll? Are you going to bite your arm off or what's going on there? Um, I would rather fight for and be a part of a movement that's underlying pulse is that of acceptance, compassion, um, advocacy for those who are oppressed. Because when it applies to these larger issues that are relevant, man, it has better outcomes. Man, it makes more people better off. But don't get distracted by the little one-off cases you can find because they're getting attention on social media because of how social media works and the Fox News echo chamber as well. That's my message for today. Vivek Ramaswamy has been getting lots of attention, especially after his debate performance. He is a very dangerous, dishonest, and delusional political figure, but he's very rhetorically effective. And so he is resonating with a lot of Republicans, unfortunately. Plus, in this pro-Trump party, he is very pro-Trump, which is nice for people who want to hear someone articulate effectively the points they want to hear without uh, criticizing the man they love so dear. There's my rhyme. <laughs> um, and it was really great to see Brian Kilmeade, of all people, on Fox News, who normally is Brian Kilmeade, but absolutely took Vivek Ramaswamy to task over his absurd plan to just give Putin whatever he'd like, to kiss up to him in any way possible. And that's how he's going to solve the current invasion of Ukraine. And his idea is wherever the lines are currently drawn, wherever kind of uh, Rus uh, Russian forces are occupying, just you go ahead and give them that in Ukraine. That will be my solution. Give them whatever they already kind of have their hold over as they're invading and taking over parts of the country that are Ukraine, a part of a different country. But his solution is give it to Putin and then that'll make him happy enough where I'll go visit him and say, hey, I gave you part of Ukraine. As I previously said, as if it's the United States' call, Ukraine wouldn't go along with that. But let's say it worked. And then he says, okay, now will you be friends with us instead of China? We'll talk more about why that plan is absurd as we go along. But here is Brian Kilmeade shredding him over it. Uh, there, Taiwan, stop uh, Russia there is a message to China because they're inextricably linked. So look, I respect Ambassador Haley and her experiences, but I respectfully disagree with her. And I think the existing foreign policy establishment has gotten it wrong for so long, they're getting it wrong here too. We are driving Russia further into China's hands. But they invaded, they invaded Ukraine, Vivek. They invaded Ukraine. Just yes. give them the 20% of the country. And, well, here's what I would say. Just like Nixon did you heard not- that? N well, yeah, sort of. <laughs> trust Mao. We still had to pull Mao Zedong out of the hands of the USSR. Mm -hmm. I don't trust Putin any more than Putin trusts us. But do you we want to take his other, word that he'll divorce himself him. from China? No, I will not take his word. I will make him actually abide by an agreement with the United States with hard conditions attached to it. If they resume joint military exercises with China, mm -hmm. there will be consequences in my deal with them. We will immediately then look at other actions that actually put Russia in a tougher spot than they are even now, maximum pressure campaign. But what I've said is we can actually go the other direction, reopen economic relations with Russia, freeze the current lines of control, Make a commitment that NATO will not admit Ukraine so to give, NATO. So let Russia take 20% of the country. They took it. 
They just took it. The reality, and you said the reality, reality is, have it. what do we get in return? But listen, the reality is what we get in return. I'm, gonna, I'm keeping my eye on the prize. Brian, here's the eye on the prize. The Russia-China alliance is the greatest threat the United States faces. There is not a single candidate in either party who has offered a coherent plan of how to disband that alliance. So as Brian Kilmeade was trying to point out there, even if that's your sole ambition, which doesn't make sense by itself, why would you put that beyond even uh, the Ukrainian people and the interest of Ukraine? And your only ambition is to disband the alliance between Russia and China. But even if so, even if that is the top priority, to say, as Vivek Ramaswamy laid this out when he originally put out this proposal, that step one has to be push for a peace agreement that includes giving Russia all of the territory that they currently militarily occupy is so irrational because you would be step one, and I'll keep using these terms, even though of course Ukraine's not gonna go for us deciding give this, but even if you could get an agreement that was uh, this implemented in this agreement, uh, that they get what they currently militarily occupy, you give that to Russia, then even if they could push for giving that to Russia, he would be hoping that that makes Putin happy enough to then say, okay, I'm not going to be as friendly with Xi Jinping. And obviously we're way oversimplifying complex subjects, but for the sake of discussing, uh, discussing it. And so that by itself doesn't make sense. And you're causing all the devastation with a hope and a prayer that then it'll go the way that you want. And so that's, if it was your sole ambition to disband the alliance and get closer and get a better relationship with Russia. And that goes beyond even your interest in assisting in the defense of Ukraine. But then because it wouldn't work more realistically, what you're saying is we're going to set the precedent that says, if you invade another country, Russia, and cause enough damage and are friendly enough with China or geopolitically something's going on with you that we wish wasn't happening, then to try to prevent that, we will let you be victorious in your ambition. So with Putin, he wanted to get parts of Ukraine. And so giving him everything that he currently is militarily occupying is exactly what he'd want, which would be to say, you're vindicated in your decision to invade. And if you invade more of Ukraine, who knows, maybe second term Vivek Ramaswamy will give you more so that maybe you're even more happy with the United States, or maybe you're even less happy with uh, China. And that would only cause for a less stable world. That would be a massive threat to the stability of that region of the world and possibly the entire world if he chooses to invade a country that is a part of NATO, of course. Uh, and so when these individuals posture as being anti-war by being anti-Ukraine, it's all fake. It's not genuine. It's not, at least it's not logical. Maybe there's just ignorance there, but I think for Vivek Ramaswamy, it's dishonesty because you would be kicking the can down the road maybe by just trying to appease Putin. But it would only make more likely further aggression because you're vindicating again his decision to invade and he wants more than just what he's currently going for as he's made clear for decades. And it would be, okay, you give 20%, now he wants 50% of Ukraine and beyond obviously. <laughs> um, so very amateur stance there. He communicates it in a sort of confident way that makes it feel, I think, for people who want the solution to be against Ukraine, as for some reason, so many within MAGA do, 
then it's like, yeah, see, ooh. And his entrepreneur background helps him sell like that. But when you actually get to the essence of the plan he's putting forward, it's here, Putin, take what you like. And hopefully that makes you more likely to be less happy with China, less buddy-buddy with China and more buddy-buddy with us. And the last thing I'll say is if Russia wanted to be buddy-buddy with us and didn't care more about violating the principles that we have when it comes to aggression, or at least we try to uh, proclaim to have, and uh, actually wanted to have an alliance with us, there have been plenty of moments where that has been attempted. It would be great if we could have better relations with Russia. And clearly, it's more important to Putin. It's more important to the Russian government to continue trying to expand or whatever. And I think for Putin, it is that distorted ambition to restore the glory of the former Soviet Union. And so us doing that would be giving him the green light to continue while not actually getting the benefits that Vivek Ramaswamy says that it would lead to. Donald Trump did a whacked post-arrest interview with Greg Kelly on Newsmax. And I want to show that to you. This was, if I'm not mistaken, last night after his arrest and his booking where he was mug shotted, if that's a phrase, or he got his mug shot taken. And, uh, he was not happy about it, as you might be able to imagine, and just uncontrollably had lies flying out of his mouth as he was uh, responding in this interview. He called in to the show, and first clip uh, is here. First time uh, you were in custody today. It's totally absurd, uh, in my opinion, but uh, what was it like? How do they treat you? What was the experience like today in, in jail? Terrible experience. Uh, I came in, I was treated very nicely, but uh, it's, uh, it is what it is. I took a mugshot, which I never heard the words mugshot. That wasn't, didn't teach me that at the Wharton School of Finance. And uh, I have to go through a process. It's uh, election interference. You know that better than anybody. You cover it so well. You just a fantastic job, I have to tell you, for the listeners. Fantastic job, Greg. But, it's a very sad experience, and it's a very sad day for our country. This is worth time. So it's a sad day for, no, it's not a sad day. It's sad that a former president did the things that Trump did. It's happy, it's good that accountability is now taking place legally. Because we can discourage future presidents from attempting to allegedly unlawfully overthrow our democratic process and our democratic elections by showing future presidents that the last guy who tried this got held accountable in a serious, severe fashion. So it's good that's happening for the rule of law. Unfortunate for Trump, uh, but that's just the way that it goes. Then this clip. Uh, but, I, you know, I went through an experience today that I never thought I'd have to go through. But yet I've gone through the same experience three other times. In my whole life, I didn't know anything about indictment. And now I've been indicted like four times and all by the radical left. And it's in coordination, absolutely in coordination with the Justice Department. Uh, but I... We'll get more to that talking point in a later segment where uh, Jim Jordan is going to investigate if there was coordination between Jack Smith and Fonnie uh, Willis. But 
it's strange that he keeps saying, and you'll see this in a future clip as well, that he had no knowledge of indictments. I had no idea even what a mugshot was. What? <laughs> even if you're not a criminal, I feel like you should, by the age that Trump was when all of his legal troubles started stacking up, already know those terms and know what they mean, even if you're not, again, a criminal. Uh, then he weighs in on the debate and says he loved Vivek Ramaswamy. Shocking. As far as the stage last night, I thought uh, Vivek, as we say, did very well. Actually, his name is Vivek, like cake. But I thought he was very good. I especially he is actually correct. I, for a while, mispronounced it as Vivek. And a lot of people have said Vivek and all these different things. It is Vivek. So Trump's correct on that. Wow. Like where I said, I was the greatest president in his lifetime and long beyond. That's pretty good. I said, are you sure he's running against me? But I thought he was very good. Uh, all right. Yeah, Vivek Ramaswamy called Trump the greatest president of the 21st century. And it's not surprising that Trump would like the most the person on the stage who's not really running to defeat him, but instead just to raise his profile among his followers, among Trump's followers. And so he'll make similar points and be uh, perpetuating a lot of these right wing talking points without actually going after the person who's polling the highest being Trump. And then he speaks to the trial that found he the civil trial that found him liable for sexual abuse of uh, E. Jean Carroll. And actually, the judge later clarified, while under the text of the law, the jury found that he didn't rape E. Jean Carroll, in common terminology, what he was found liable for is rape. It is what we call rape. But because of the exact specifics of the law, they uh, distinguished between sexual abuse and rape and he was found liable of sexual abuse but we do consider what he was found liable for as i said rape and so he speaks to that here very sad day for our country this is a weaponized justice department and all of these indictments and cases i have a couple of cases that are not indictments they're just cases where you have these left lawyers suing uh on like a woman that i never saw before other than i guess she took a picture 25 years ago on a uh, on a line on a uh, contributors line or something or charity line uh everything is it's just like one thing after the uh, the next and what they want to do one thing after the next he says because he's the big victim and it's so much they're coming after me even though yeah, that's what happens whenever you do a bunch of bad things. <laughs> whenever you conduct your way, uh, yourself in the ways that he has, then sometimes eventually accountability starts stacking up. And that's what we're seeing here. And we can't forget because of how much is going on. He was found liable by a jury in a civil trial of sexual abuse, what we refer to as rape. And he is... Number one, just running for president and has a lot of support. And even more stunning, in the party of family values as they proclaim themselves to be, and they love him. It is really stunning. And when you really think about it, rather enraging. One more clip. He gets asked how he sleeps. Do you sleep well? And how long do you sleep? Scenario, 40 points on top in the Republican field and, uh, and crushing Biden by about seven points in the latest poll. How are you sleeping, by the way? In your, in your book a long time ago, you said you slept four hours a night. Are you still a four-hour-a-night guy? What, uh, you got a routine when it comes to that? No, but more or less, but I do, uh, I do sleep soundly, and I don't let it bother me because it is what it is. It's a horrible thing. 
and really it helps that you know when you have poll numbers like this that means the people understand it but you mentioned something scenario 40 points on so he sleeps soundly because of his poll numbers or something he is even though he tries to posture as something different terrified of this he knows even with his lack of knowledge about a lot of things uh he knows how damning the evidence is against him and how terrifying the sentences the potential sentences he could get if convicted are and so i'm sure he's not sleeping so great and i actually have a lot of evidence that he doesn't sleep well in the form of his true social account because he's truthing as it's called all hours of the night house republicans you, you could have predicted this uh, are going to open a probe into who fonnie willis did the same thing with trying to give alvin bragg trouble and are threatening to defund jack smith <laughs> and now here are going to investigate fonnie willis and i have the letter they sent to uh to fonnie willis we'll get to some por portions of it in a moment but here's reporting on this of course as they've been accusing the left of weaponizing the federal government they're constantly weaponizing their authority to help the campaign essentially of donald trump here from Axios, House Republicans open probe into Fonnie Willis ahead of Trump's surrender. The Republican-led House Judiciary Committee opened an investigation into Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis Thursday over whether her prosecution of former President Trump is, quote, politically motivated. In a letter to Willis announcing the probe, Judiciary Committee Chair Jim Jordan asked Willis to turn over a series of documents to the committee by September 7th. So again, one of the most unsurprising things ever. We'll go through this quick, but it's a super long, not super long, but too long for this letter, but just some highlights addressed to the Honorable Fonnie T. Willis. She is honorable. Uh, <laughs> Dear Miss Willis, on October 14, 2023, brought a 41 count indictment against 19 defendants, including, and then it summarizes what we know about this indictment. Your indictment and prosecution, this is the end of that paragraph, implicates substantial federal interests, and the circumstances surrounding your actions raise serious concerns about whether they are politically motivated. And then to just skim through this, they accuse her of using this as a fundraising device. And again, this is all an accusation of political motivations. And then one excerpt here, and unlike officials, so this is, okay, this is hilarious. They're taking issue with her because Trump in his surrender and his booking and his arrest is being treated like other criminal defendants. And unlike officials in other jurisdictions, Fulton County officials, quote, have suggested they will process the former president as a typical criminal defendant requiring mugshots and, a possibly, uh, and possibly even cash bond. The horror Trump's being treated like every other person who would be treated uh, as they would be by the criminal justice system. Trump's being treated like that. Yeah, that is how it should work. They talk about the timing is suspicious and they keep saying, why don't you bring this 2.5 years ago, whatever Trump will say, because it takes a while to investigate racketeering related charges and a broad criminal conspiracy as is being alleged and a historic attempt to potentially unlawfully overthrow our democratic process and fraudulently install someone as president who didn't win. It takes a while to get a lot of evidence and uh, get a clear picture of what was going on there. Pretty understandable. And then to continue forward, one thing that was written was there are questions about whether and how your office coordinated with DOG, uh, DOG, <laughs> DOJ special counsel Jack Smith during the course of this investigation. 
News outlets have reported that your office and Mr. Smith interviewed many of the same witnesses and reviewed much of the same evidence. Can you imagine? They're both investigating the plot to overturn the election. They would interview similar witnesses and gather similar evidence. That's shocking. And then uh, given the weighty federal interest at stake, the committee is conducting oversight of this matter to determine whether any legislative reforms are appropriate or necessary. Such reforms could include changes to the federal officer uh, removal statute, immunities for federal office uh, officials, the permissible use of federal funds, the authority of special counsels, and the delineation of prosecutorial authority between federal and local officials. And then as the article noted, they are demanding documents uh, from Fonnie Willis's investigation. And then it's signed. Jim Jordan. Uh, so we'll see how Fonnie Willis responds. She is not messing around with all of this, so I don't worry that she'll respond in a perfectly appropriate and strong fashion. I'll update you on that if it occurs. Well, this is, I mean, I'm concerned about this next story. This might spell trouble for Fonnie Willis, okay? Um, Brad Barnes, who is a MAGA activist, as it's being reported, and apparently ran unsuccessfully for office in some fashion for uh, state, the state legislature, uh, he has an idea and has announced that he is going to file or did file for the arrest of Fonnie Willis for indicting Trump. What does that mean? For what? <laughs> Lots of questions, but, uh, or I should say, for what crime? Because prosecuting someone's not a crime. But uh, here is, what was his name? Oh, I already forgot. Something Barnes. Dang. I'm blanking. Brad Barnes. There we go. Strong name. Brad Barnes in his suit explaining why he is pushing for, filing for the arrest of Bonnie Willis. Okay, so I'm here with Brad Barnes, who just filed an arrest um, for the Fulton County DA. Now, what are you? Wow. What are you alleging charges on her for? So there are four charges: two under the U.S. Code, two under the Georgia Code. So the two under the Georgia Code are violation of oath by a public officer, which is uh, 1610-1 and unprofessional conduct by public officers and employees, which is 4511-4. And then the two under the U.S. Code are under 18 U.S.C. 241 and 242, and those are conspiracy against rights and deprivation of rights under color of law. Okay, so what exactly are you saying that she did? So it's very clear that she is using her public office uh, to prosecute a political grudge uh, and uh, actions. By the way, if the prosecution's unfair and not based on actual evidence of the crimes, do you know how that is sorted out? Just really give it some thought, Brad. It would be him being acquitted. The jury would go, huh, this seems politically motivated, and I don't see evidence of actual crimes being committed. So we're not going to vote to convict Trump. So we have a system for that. Fonnie Willis doesn't just get to send Trump to jail such as charging lawyers uh, for filing legal paperwork and representation of their clients is a, for example, is a clear violation of uh, the defendants uh, like Mr. Trump's right to a redress of grievances under the First Amendment. Okay. Um, I think that's it. Do you have anything else on this? Um, why did you come down here to the jail today? Um, in, in well, I general? think it's important that we get this information out there. 
And, uh, you know, I wanted to be with my fellow uh, Republicans and fellow Trump supporters. It's always a good a good time. Everyone's always very positive, these sorts of things. Uh, that's not my experience. Before discussing further, if you want to get merch, LukeBeasleyMerch.com is the website. I saw someone ask uh, what the website was. LukeBeasleyMerch.com. Yesterday I was wearing my, my sweater. There's the mug there. Uh, get your merch today. But... Yeah, that's nonsense. Hilarious. Filing for the arrest, whatever that means, and whatever he hopes that would do. Maybe Fonnie Willis will prosecute herself. Um, <laughs> and it's, of course, ridiculous. And what it reminded me of was the kind of... I saw someone responding to the clip we're about to look at, but it applies to what you just saw there. They said, this is the equivalent of, I know you are, but what am I? Response. And I think they worded it like, this is the, I know you are, but what are my response to Trump's prosecutions? Which is to say, Marjorie Greene, in response to Trump being accused of a criminal conspiracy, said, actually, Fonnie Willis is guilty of a criminal conspiracy. And it's just flipping around and saying, whatever you're accusing him of, that's you. And that's what's being done here. Oh, Trump's being arrested? Actually, the person arresting him should get arrested. And uh, <laughs> the clip I'm referring to is this, just the laziest defense of Trump. That's right, Rob. It's it's outrageous. And I, I actually think that Fonnie Willis and Democrats nationally, um, you know, from the federal level at the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, Jack Smith, Fonnie Willis, Alvin Bragg, I think they're all guilty of the exact RICO racketeering and conspiracy charges that they are actually charging President Trump with, because this is a conspiracy to stop President Trump from winning the 2024 election and to silence his speech and, and ultimately actually just when you really simplify that all the way down sort of what the brad barnes guy is doing and marjorie green it's taking the indictment and saying okay marjorie why is trump not or not necessarily guilty we'll see how that goes but why is there not evidence that is substantial enough to justify an indictment when it comes to trump violating the georgia rico act based on what is being alleged in this indictment. Uh, what's your response? And her only response is, remind me, what, what, what'd you just ask? Being, violating the RICO Act? Oh, it's because of Fonnie Willis doing the RICO thing. That's why. <laughs> she can't even think of a good way to defend Trump other than she did it, actually. No, you did. No, you. And same thing with Brad Barnes. His response to the arrest of Trump is arresting the arrester. All right, well, you do you, I guess. Larry Elder is apparently, we haven't talked about this at all, but a Republican presidential candidate right now. And if you don't remember, he was the challenger, the front runner to uh, go against Gavin Newsom in the recall election and Gavin Newsom won comfortably. But he is a radio personality, a right winger, and he didn't make the debate stage. And he was very unhappy. And apparently he's going to sue alongside the billionaire Republican presidential candidate, Perry Johnson, the RNC for not letting them on the stage, I guess. This is from The Hill. Elder Johnson planning to sue RNC after failing to make first primary debate. And I will show you Larry Elder uh, outside of, I think this was in Milwaukee, outside the debate, protesting. 
If by 2 o'clock I am not determined to be up on that stage, we're going to file this complaint with the FEC that could cause the RNC to incur a fine of $100 million and, by the way, could also cause Fox News to incur a $100 million fine because they would be making Ooh. an in-kind contribution to these eight people to the detriment of Larry Elder. So they have until 2 o'clock in order to respond uh, to our threat to file a complaint with the uh, FEC. We're in, we're in consultations with the general counsel uh, with Fox News, with the general counsel with the RNC. We're in discussions with Ronna McDaniel and with the uh, debate czar, David Bossie. We're hoping cooler heads will prevail, so I don't need to, to resort to this. We also still have at the back pocket the possibility of filing a lawsuit. But I don't believe it's going to get to that. I believe that cooler heads will prevail. As I so this was before he was officially not let on the stage, but he knew he wasn't going to be. And uh, so he was saying, if I'm not let on today, which he wasn't, then he's going to do all these different things. As I mentioned earlier, Fox News is a publicly held corporation. They have a fiduciary obligation to avoid a possible unnecessary expense. This is an unnecessary expense. I just believe the fix is in for, uh, for uh, Ron DeSantis. I believe the RNC does not want Trump to be the nominee, does not want anybody to take any fire from Ron DeSantis. I could be wrong about that. I also believe that they're afraid of Larry Elder. Why? Because Elder's <laughs> talking about things the others are afraid to talk about for fear they'll be called racist. <laughs> they're afraid of Larry Elder. Sorry, someone walked behind him with a sign that said, where's Hunter Biden? Why, you creep? Why do you want to know where a person is? Just leave him alone. Oh, so bizarre. Where's Hunter Biden? Okay, so... The RNC is going to be fine. They get to make the rules. He didn't qualify. He was mad because a Rasmussen poll didn't clear because they don't accept the poll based on the conflict of interest of it being a Trump-backed, Trump-funded, or associated, or some conflict of interest. They get to choose which polls they accept. It's their process. They get to choose who qualifies. So he didn't qualify. The RNC will be fine. But uh, what was striking me watching that clip was, you know when you feel like what you're saying matters and is being heard? And then at some point you realize that it wasn't and it kind of hurts. He's going to have that realization eventually where in that moment, he's so angry and it's the center of the world. And then he realizes in the grand scheme of the political conversation, just no one is even, I mean, we're covering it here, but no one's really paying attention. And uh, he didn't even qualify for the debate. Sorry, just, that's just sometimes it goes that way. Your attempt to get more attention for your bad views didn't work. Sorry. Um, and what it reminded me of was, one time, this is sort of embarrassing, but to my credit, I was, in my defense, I should say, I was mad about something, so I had a lot to rant out, rant about in the moment. One time I was on the phone with a friend, and I had my AirPods in, okay? And you know how it'll give you the warnings that the AirPods are getting low battery, low battery. Um, and in case anyone doesn't know, wireless headphones is what AirPods are. I, everyone knows that, right? Um, and... But once it actually turns off, it just disconnects from the phone. It'll give you warnings, but it'll just disconnect eventually, just boom. And so you can't really tell if you're the one talking in the middle of a call. And so I was on the phone with someone walking around, cleaning my room as I was talking. And I was upset about something, not at them, but just something in general. And so I was ranting and ranting and ranting. And at some point in the middle of the rant, my phone had uh, disconnected from my headphones because my headphones had died. And so I had headphones in my ears and I was talking, but there was no one listening. And eventually I noticed after 
far too long of talking un, un, uninterrupted uh, and uh, ranting about what I was ranting about. And so I went back to the phone, I called the person back and they had hung up a while ago and I felt so embarrassed, even though no one saw it because they didn't know that I kept going for so long. I, I told them, but, um, and they kind of knew because I didn't call them back for a while. But it was that horrible feeling <laughs> where I realized in the privacy of my own room that I was talking and felt so, uh, felt like what I was saying was so significant that it needed to be heard, but it wasn't being heard. And it was embarrassing and it hurt my feelings for myself, even though again, no one was watching me. No one knew necessarily. And that's what's going on with Larry Elder. <laughs> the, Air, uh, the AirPods are in his ears, but no one's listening. Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show. Uh, I will see you either on the weekend bonus show, kind of becoming standard that's on Sunday. So Sunday will be the day uh, this weekend for sure. And uh, everyone else, I'll see you on Monday.